Welcome to The Sipping Point, where each week we explore the recipe for a delicious life. I'm your host, Lori Forrester, the wine coach, and I've made it my mission in life to demystify wine one glass at a time. So expect a fresh and fun approach to the world of wine, spirits, food, and so much more. Well, this week... We are sipping a delicious Spanish white wine. Okay. You know my New Year's resolution. Drink, drink more, more Spanish, Spanish wine. wine. From Rueda. Okay, this sounds is fancy. a very white wine focused region. Okay. And now that it finally is spring, Chris, I want to <laughs> lighten up on my drinking of red and switch to some white and rosé. Okay. We talked to uh, Paul Chevalier yes. a little bit ago about rosé, but now we're going to talk a Spanish white here in a second. And then... You and I are going to discuss Uh-oh. one of the biggest stories out there in the wine industry. All right. Arsenic in wine. Poison wine. This is not something we want. No. But what's the real deal? People don't freak out. Okay. Don't stop drinking wine. Let me give you the real deal in, okay. segment, in the second segment. And then later, we're going to catch up with uh, Paco oh. from Viña Aguilla. That sounds very Spanish. A Rioja winery. <laughs> and I ca- caught up with him in Charleston at the Food and Wine Festival. Okay. So we're going to learn about his wines and so much more. Great. All right. So in your glass. Yes. Are you ready? I know you're ready. I'm always it's ready. It's been a week, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been it's many been weeks. It's been a week. <laughs> uh, but anyway, give it a swirl and a smell. Rueda is the region. Okay. Okay. Um, up in the north central part of Spain. Right. And they specialize in a white grape called Verdejo. Okay. So Rueda is, is the place. Right, Like the many European wines, it's named after the place. Verdejo is the grape. Verdejo is the yes. grape. Yes. So right. give it a swirl and a smell. Really nice citrus there. Yeah. Even maybe a little bit of pineapple, sort of a tropical thing. I can get a little bit of that in there, yeah. Sip it. Uh, I will gladly. Mm. Very good. Good feathering. That's where you swish thank and you, swirl the you. wine around in your mouth. I've been practicing Introduce often. a little air. Kind of get, <laughs> lets you taste it better. You get that acidity. It's known for high acidity. That's that yeah. crisp pucker factor, right? I, you, like you might get with a Pinot Grigio or yeah. a Sauvignon Blanc. I love that factor. Yeah. Mouth-watering acidity, basically. Mm-hmm. So now you want to eat something, don't you? I, I Well, and, first of all, I always want to eat something, I, but this wine <laughs> exacerbates it. <laughs> I should have brought you some food, but... That's okay. But if we were to eat with this wine. Burrito? Think, you know, you could do Mexican <laughs> My food. My mind food. always goes to burritos. I'm sorry. You absolutely could do Mexican <laughs> food with this, but salads, seafoods, a lot of that sort of nice light cuisine that we're trying to. Uh, it's got a very smooth finish. To, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. The winery says monkfish. I love monkfish. Uh, any kind of fish. I'm down. Yes. I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> Vegetable soup, if you're a vegetarian, would be really great with this, Vegetable too. soup. All yeah. right. Because it has a Sauvignon Blanc-ish yeah. quality to it, you could do it with things that have a green element okay. to them. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking buttery sauce, like with the monkfish. So like a nice, nice contrast. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. really delicious. Only about $13 retail. Oh, okay. Hello. That's, that's in my Very, price range. And it is from <laughs> Bodega's, we should say this, Bodega's Protos. Okay. P-R-O-T-O-S. Got it. $13 from Rueda. It's very indicative of the style of wine of that region. So All if right. you see other Ruedas out there, definitely try them. R-U-E-R-U-E-D-A. Yeah. Rueda. Delicious. Spelling Bodegas Protos Rueda. That is your wine of the week. I like it. Yeah. Two thumbs up from this guy. I love it. And this isn't one of the wines that I'm using tonight, but I'm doing a corporate event tonight. Are you? 
I am. Now, what, what exactly goes on at these corporate events? Well, tonight, I'm actually doing for an association of real estate management okay. uh, personnel. Fancy. We are doing a team building event called Name That Wine. Oh, okay. And I'm going to teach them the blind tasting skills of a sommelier. Okay, so that's to determine, like, is it a Pinot Grigio or a Sauvignon Blanc right. or something like that. So they'll have a placemat. They'll have four glasses in front of them. I will. They will not know what they are. Right. They're just one, two, three, four right. is how they're labeled. And I'm going to teach them the skills that we learn okay. how to blind taste, basically tasting without knowing the identity of the wine. Right. And then... Each team or table will then have the task to guess what each right. of the four wines is. Which varietal? Is it a Chardonnay? Is it right. a Rueda? Is, is it, it a, a Riesling? A Rioja? Is it a Cabernet? Yeah. Uh, so each table will do that. And then also they'll have to form a winery. Okay. And come up with a product and, and a some marketing yeah. and, and a label. They draw a label. <laughs> uh, and it's really a popular, great way to just break the ice, get people working together. Yeah. But you're also tasting wine and having it's loads of fun. fun yeah. yeah. Now, have there any been uh, ever been any of the labels that are just uh, look like they were drawn by a four-year-old, not, yeah. the non-artistic uh, inclined ones? I mean, luckily, usually at each table, you've got a lot of different skills coming right. together. And yeah. some companies are as strategic as to tell me who sits with whom. Oh, wow. Yeah, because huh. they want maybe certain people yeah. to iron out their differences. Like, we don't want Paul over there with Gary. Those two don't get along. <laughs> Put them on the opposite side right. of the room. Right. Or maybe we do want Paul with right. Gary so they can they work together really bond well. over the wine. Yeah. 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 So that's what I'm doing tonight. Um, <laughs> wine is a great tool for conventions and trade shows and any kind of team building activity. Amongst other in, things, it's a great tool mind, for. <laughs> if you want to find out more, you can go to thewinecoach.com and click on speaking. Okay. You can see all kinds of events that I do. And now is the time. My calendar is like slammed. People are, yeah. you know, getting their events lined up for the spring and summer. So give Look me ahead a, to fall and winter, folks. Give me a call, 410-820-4212. We're going to take a quick break okay. on The Sipping Point. We'll be right back to talk arsenic and wine. Oh, my. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach, and we're back with The Sipping Point. And I couldn't do another show without addressing the big news out there in the world of wine. Yeah, this, this is a bombshell. Lawsuit being placed against, I believe it's 28 different wineries. From all different areas of the country? California. All California. All California. Okay. And what's being alleged that this group called Beverage Grades did some testing on the wines. Okay. And they found uh, traces of arsenic. Oh. Up to 50 parts per million. Okay. Seems in, like a lot. Yeah. It seems like, sounds like a lot, right? <laughs> it sounds like a lot, but... If you want to think of it this way, one part per million would be one second in the course of 32 years. Oh. So. Okay. So that doesn't seem really quite as bad. Um, but of course. It's still arsenic. Who wants to think of arsenic in anything? Right. Right. But here's the deal. Arsenic is a naturally occurring. Okay. Metal. And there's been throughout the years different um, issues like this come up. Like in 2012, rice. Okay. Was found to have. Trace amounts of arsenic. Exactly. Exactly. So Even some... worse than what we're talking about right. with the wine. So what they found, I think 50 parts per million was the highest that they found. Okay. Some of the names uh, alleged in the suit are things like Sutter Home, Franzia, oh. different names that people might know. Right. Yes. Um, most of the stuff was real inexpensive yeah. and or box uh, jug kind of wines. Yes. Um, so... Something I'm uh, quite familiar with. 
if you're drinking the the great fine wines that we recommend here on the Sipping Point, right. you're not really probably touching on any of these wines that were named in the lawsuit. Yeah. But still, doesn't make you feel good, right? But no, here's the here's the deal. Okay. Um, Let's break it down. The U.S. EPA has uh-huh. a standard for arsenic in water. Okay. And it's 10 parts per million. Okay. But I'm assuming, even me, that people are drinking more water per day than they're drinking wine. <laughs> You'd hope. At least I hope so. You would hope. So we can't necessarily compute that same level water right. that's acceptable for water that you're using in coffee and drinking and yeah. everything as you can with wine. Okay. You have to drink, I think it's something like, you know, four bottles of wine every single day yeah. of these exact wines. So uh, in Canada, 100 parts per million is their, what they've said is acceptable okay. amount in wine. All right. And the and the largest amount that was found supposedly by this group was 50. 50. So that's half what Canada allows. Right. And in Europe, I believe it's 200 parts per million. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. So I think this All is like- All that said, it doesn't seem as bad as the right. original headline would read. Exactly. But there uh, is a group called the Wine Institute. They okay. represent the California uh, winemaking industry. All right. And they are going to, they're working on right now legislation to try to get, have some- limit mm-hmm. set for wineries. Right. Which I think is a great idea. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff out there right now. And I talked to, I don't know if you remember, a few years ago, I talked to one wine dude. Okay. Uh, he's a cool wine educator in Philly <laughs> that I am on the same page with. And right. we were talking about this whole idea of nutrition labeling. Yeah. Because, you know, food, food that started what however many years ago, and yeah. now that's come along. But now people are starting to ask these questions about wine. Like, Right. What? It's already on drinks. Like, if you yeah. buy a can of cola, it's going to have it right. on there. Now, for the most part, wine is a pretty natural product, right? You take yeah. grape juice, yeast converts it over to wine via fermentation. That's where the alcohol comes in. Yeah, but there are, you know, different acids that sometimes are used. Right. There are um, color additives that really just concentrates mm-hmm. from other grapes. It's called mega purple. Okay. But uh, people want to know what's in their wine. Yeah. And if they're vegetarian or vegan, sometimes yes. wine can be fined. To clarify the color and get any solids oh, out with okay. egg whites. Oh. Sometimes people want to know about that. Yeah. So it's a big issue. Okay. And the Wine Institute, uh, they lobby in uh, Washington, D.C. for right. the industry. They're going to be wa- working on this. Okay. Just because, you know, it just brings up an issue. Yeah, we, we probably should have a limit on yeah. this, right? Now, my question is where in the winemaking process does the arsenic come into play? Is it something that's in... The ground? Yes, the... it can be in the ground. Okay. It can get on. It, it's found naturally in lots of fruits and vegetables, okay. believe right. it or not. So, so certain varieties of grapes will exactly. have X, X, X amount of right. arsenic in there. Yep. All right. It's just at a certain level, it becomes toxic. Okay. And it's only been found in California so far. That's all that was tested, I believe. Okay. All right. So in this lawsuit, you know, okay. who knows the motivations of the people bringing the lawsuit? But you talk about, you uh, know, it's it, interesting. It, the limit in the United States is 50, but in Europe it's 200? No, there is no limit set for the U.S. That's oh, what okay. they're trying that's to get they, through. But that's the what legislation. they found. Yes. Gotcha. They found up to 50 parts. But there is a limit in... Canada's 100. And 200 and, in Europe. Yeah, exactly. And Europe, you think about it, that's where wine originated. Right. So I think they have a pretty good handle on things over there. They so. probably do. They probably do. <laughs> if the limit's 200 over there, then right. 50 doesn't seem that bad. Exactly. So, so don't, don't panic. Stop drinking wine. Right. Yeah. It's not a rampant situation. It's okay. under control. 
The other interesting thing that I just recently got back from New York. Okay. I went to a presentation from the Wine Market Council. And what is that? So the Wine Market Council basically captures data for the wine industry okay. on wine drinkers. What and they, they're buying, how Different often, generations, how different types of wine drinkers. So that each year we can kind of see where what's the market going is. on, where the market's going. Yeah. Um, and so also there was Danny Brager from Nielsen okay. Data because yeah. they capture a lot of data on wine drinking. They're good at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just wine. We talked about craft beer and spirits. Right. Um, craft beer is huge right now. And we're trying to, we're going to get Danny on the show so he can okay. deep dive on this stuff. Great. But uh, a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. So every year since nineteen um, since nineteen ninety four, okay, we've had an increase in consumption of wine in the U.S. All right. Now some years more than others. We're kind of settling in a little bit. This year was only one point two percent increase. Right. So, you know, it's still a slower growth than it was back in the late 90s, but we're still growing as an industry. Growth is so good. Thank you for drinking wine, people. <laughs> and um, thank you for teaching us about it. So per we can capita, drink it. per person, we're all drinking more as well. I know I am. Yeah. Uh, as funny, I know I am. And they kind of categorize this, I find very interesting. Okay. okay? 36% of people abstain from drinking any alcohol altogether. Wow. In the U.S. Right? Okay. Yeah. One third of everybody. Straight edge life. Uh, <laughs> right? Not for and me. And then um, about another 24% um, are occasional drinkers. Okay. And then 13% of us are the high frequency wine drinker. I love how you said us, as in like yeah. you and I. Well, I'm counting you. I've seen your Facebook posts. I've uh, seen them. Uh, Meaning that we cats drink- Cats and wine. That's all they are. High frequency, you drink wine almost every single day. With my cats. Yeah, right? <laughs> Cat. Um, <laughs> generational, drink. it's very interesting. You know, the, we have all these different generations, and the breakdown of the high frequency, the baby boomer okay. is key. All right. Okay, baby boomer is key, but the millennials are right right on the heels. Really? Right on the heels. I'm Gen X. Nobody cares about us. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know why, because there's in. only 35 million of us. Right. I guess that's why... Uh, the boomer generation, 77 million people. Those are people from 51 to 69. Mm-hmm. Gen X from 39 to 50. I'm just 39. <laughs> um, there's only 44 million of us. Wow. As opposed to 77 million in the boomers and 70 million in the millennials. Where does a millennial age group fall? The age group 21 to 38. That would be me. That's you. <laughs> You're pretty important uh, as far as... I like to think so. You are. And then my daughter's generation... Is anyone born, anyone that's currently six to 20? So they're not even yet. Right. Drinking, hopefully. Right. Not drinking, but 61 million of them. Wow. Yeah. They're called the I generation because everything's about. Is an iPhone or is it about me? No, no. The I generation in, you know, iPhone. Okay. All right. Everything's connected to the internet. Yeah. These are the most connected people you're going to find. And of the high frequency wine drinkers, 38% of those people. Are baby boomers. Wow. But 30% are millennials. Yeah, those, those young people. They're a little more sophisticated than I think I was because I wasn't drinking wine till, right. you know, 30s, late 20s. Yeah. So. In the boomer and the Gen Xers, we are pretty much split male female wine drinking, mm-hmm. but the millennials, more female, much more female yeah. driven. The guys are the craft beer 
yeah. heads. And that was kind of an interesting, like, we need to do a better job as a wine industry, I guess, of getting people Marketing like yourself. Marketing to dudes. Yeah, yeah. to dudes. So, Winedudes.com. I'm yeah. going to buy the domain. <laughs> so I just thought that was fascinating. You can check them out at the Wine Market Council. Um, just Google that and their website. Okay. They have a lot of great stuff yeah, that's out interesting. there. People are interested. But we'll get Danny on from Nielsen, too, and talk about great. this a little bit more. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Paco from Viña Iguia about Rioja, the wines of Rioja. We'll be right back. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I am here at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, and I am thrilled to have with me Francisco Fernandez Paez. I think I'm saying that in yeah. the Spanish correctness, from Bodegas Muriel, which actually is a group of wineries. And we're going to dial down and talk about his Viña Aguia, which is delicious. But uh, Francisco, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Very fun. So what, do you, what is your role with the Bodegas Muriel? I'm export area manager for the U.S. markets from Latin America as well. Great. So you make sure that all your delicious wine get, finds a home here in the U.S.? We try. We try. <laughs> okay. So yesterday I got in the tasting tent to taste your Viña Aguia. Say yeah. that right. Yeah. Viña Aguia. Okay. Sounds so much better when you say it. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. We are standing here uh, outside the tent tasting your Reserva, I believe, 2009. 2009. So you're in Rioja uh, and you have a host of wineries, but we're going to dial in on Viña Aguia. Tell me a little bit if people are not familiar with Rioja. Uh, what's it like there? Well, actually, we are Muriel Wines. That is a family winery group that it was founded in 1926 by the Murua family. And now the family is still in the, running the business. So now we've got some wineries in Rioja, in Rias Baisas. And the last purchase was in Rias Baisas. Another one in... in That's for Albariño. I know that place. Yeah, <laughs> it is. We're going to make some Albariños uh, with the brand Paso Sillero. So, and we've got another winery who makes uh, wines in uh, different parts of Spain. So, Viñaguía is a winery that is in El Ciego. El Ciego is the heart of La Rioja Alavesa. You know, in, in Rioja there is three subregions: Rioja Alavesa, Rioja Alta, and Rioja Baja. And we are in El Ciego, in a small village in the heart of the of Rioja Alavesa, as I said. And Viñaguía, we make wines uh, with uh, international character, uh, modern and we always want uh, to make the wines with grapes from the three subregions from, from Rioja. Rioja Alta, Rioja Alavesa, and Rioja Baja. Perfect. And you, you were explaining to me there are two types of winemakers in Rioja. There is the mo- more modern style and then the more traditional. Um, and you, you're falling into a little bit more of the modern or international styles. And what exactly do you do in the winery or in the vineyard that would reflect as, as more modern? Well, as I said, we've got the wines are made with uh, the 100% of Sempranillo, which is an indigenous grape from Rioja, not only from Rioja, but also from the rest of Spain. So we use grape from Rioja Alta, Alavesa, and Baja, and we make the cupaches with the, for the wine. So what we want is stability from the vineyard to the, to the wine, and from one, vineyard, uh, from one vintage to the, next, to the other. So there is a, we've got uh, different wines in our portfolio, and with Muriel, we can have uh, wines a bit more classical, but with some modern touches. And with with Viña Guía, we've got to offer some uh, some wines for the widest range of even for the people and for the moments. So you've got wines for 
each occasion and for each for each kind of person. Great. And Tempranillo being the red, because uh, we're drinking a red Rioja uh, here, being the uh, important grape of Rioja. If people haven't had a Tempranillo or a Rioja, tell me what they can expect uh, to taste. Well, this, if we're uh, speaking of the Viñaguilla Reserva, it's 24 months in American and French oak barrel, 50% in American and 50% in French, and with the Tempranillo, so it's made 100% of Tempranillo, uh, 24 months in American and French oak barrel, 50% in American and 50% in French, so the wine is going to be uh, with uh, lots of aromas of red berries, cher cherries, uh, strawberries. Oh, it's delicious. I'm uh, really the, just smelling it is a wonderful, and you can definitely smell that oak. You know the toasty oak and the American 50/50. It gives you a little bit more of a sense of the oak than just using all French, correct? Yeah, the Americas give you a, a bit of uh, vanilla flavor, and and the, and the French give you a bit of uh, smoky and uh, some nutty aromas. I give you a special wine. The, the thing is the perfect balance between fruit and oak. So even when it's a Rioja, the Rioja is known by its crianzas, reservas, and grand reservas with some oaky because the wine has been for 24 months in American and French oak barrel. has lots of uh, fruits that is what people is asking right now in the market. So we're, we're offering wine, uh, wines for a widest range of people. Yeah, and the, we tasted your um, half Crianza. You said the Crianza is 12 months in oak. The Reserva we're tasting is two. And then your Grand Reserva, because I'm sure people see this on their bottles and not always know what that means, is aged three years in oak and two in bottle, yeah. correct? So you have to hold that wine a lot longer at the winery before you release it. Basically, when you release a Reserva or Grand Reserva, is it ready to drink right away? Yeah, we always, in Rioja, we always sell the wine ready to drink, but even you can keep it in your private cellar or at home for more than 10, 20 years. Even I have to say that we just purchased a winery, Conde de los Andes, in Ollauri, in Rioja Alta, that dates back from more than 400 years ago. So we've got wines for even 1892, and I tasted some wines of 1964, 1970, and it is in, they are incredible. Nice. Even the white Riojas from 1964, who people say that is the best uh, vintage that they ever had, it, is having completely incredible wines. Wow. Well, Francisco from Viña Aguia and Bodegas Muriel, uh, this has been really delicious. I am making good on my New Year's resolution, which is to drink more Spanish wine. So you're helping me with that. Uh, assuming people can find you online? Yeah. Uh, they can in, on Twitter in Bodegas Muriel okay. and in our webpage www.bodegasmuriel.com and www.bodegaseguia.com Perfect. Well, this has been delicious, Francisco. Thank you so much. Cheers. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with the Sipping Point, Chris. Yep. Well, hopefully people have learned a lot, and I've put their mind at ease about yes. the whole issue with arsenic in wine. Don't sweat it, but keep an eye on it. If you want red, pick up Rioja. If you want white, pick up a Rueda. There you go. Uh, those are my tips. Anyway, beautiful weekend, right? Yeah. This is amazing. Finally spring. Get great. out there. Do something fun. Yeah. Take a drive over to the Oregon Grill. Oh, absolutely. Brunch on Sunday, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. 
always great. You can call them at 410-771-0505 to make a reservation. Mm-hmm. They have specials every night of the week in the bar yep. and so many fun things. I was just there Friday doing my wine comedy yeah. show. And uh, we'll be doing some more women's events coming up in the future here. But I want to special thanks goes out to our sponsors, right? Mm-hmm. Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, Wine World, the Oregon Grill, and of course, Hair of the Dog, Wine and Spirits.